Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California, this is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael, and today we welcome back to the show Angela Zane. She was on before talking to us about animal communication, but today we're going to get to know her more, her own spiritual journey, as as well as talk about some of her other amazing abilities. But before we get started, Michael does have a few announcements. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our show again. And of course, the big announcement is next week. We have a week from today, our two-hour UFO extraterrestrial special. And we've got some great guests. We have Preston Dinette, who's an author, multiple books on, on the topic. Um, we have Dolly Safran, who is a contactee. And joining us for the first time, we'll have uh, Earl Gray Anderson, who is the Southern California Director of MUFON. And we'll be joined by Matt Absher as our co-host for that one. So that's going to be a two-hour special, so please check that out. Um, get all the information on our website, sixcentsociety.com, S-I-X-T-H, all spelled out. And while you're there, if you can afford to, buy us a coffee on Ko-Fi. It really helps a lot. But most importantly, go to YouTube, click like and subscribe, help us grow our audience. And that, to me, just makes us so happy to see that growing. Um, so please do that for us. Um, I don't want to take up a lot more time because there's just so much fascinating material we're going to cover today with Angela. So I'm going to kick it back to you guys. So take it away, Krista. Great. Thank you, Michael. And welcome back, Angela. Hi. Thanks for having me. This time in person. Yeah. Last time it was over the internet. I'm yes. not good with the internet. Yeah, you did great. I, I think I told you I re-listened to the show and I'm I'm always impressed by our guests when I go back and listen because when you're doing the show, I mean, certainly I'm listening, but you can't just relax and take in the information. So I, I really enjoyed listening to it again. And and today I thought it'd be really fun to just get to know your own story and then talk about some of your other abilities. Thanks. Thanks. So let's, uh, people like to know, I think I do, sort of people's origin stories. So what was uh, maybe some of the, the key places where representing the beginnings of your own interest in, in spirituality in general and certainly in all your, mm-hmm. the psychic side of what you do? I think my curiosity of the unknown has always been there. When I was little, I used to stay with a woman in the summertime. And uh, there was a, in the trailer up the road. I lived in the middle of the mountains. You know, I grew up in middle Pennsylvania. So um, up the road, she was a healer. I was probably only like, I don't know, maybe six or seven. And um, I remember I had a wart on the back of my ankle. And she did a healing on it. She put her hands on it and it went away. It came back, but it went away for a while. Mm. And I always stuck with me. So I was always curious. I was looking in the sky for things. So I think that was the opening of it, you know, as a little child. But, um, and me always being curious. I think in my late teens is when I started to um, play around with things a little more. Uh, When I was 18, I actually predicted how I was going to get to California. I didn't (laughs) know that at the time. I just looked at my friend, and um, I remember saying to her, I'm going to be in California next year in this scenario. And that scenario happened. 
Huh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I was kind of crazy in my younger years. Lots of partying, lots of debauchery. And um, <laughs> so I kind of, I always say, I kind of went through the back door in a sense. Um, and I think a lot of people that are spiritual and psychic and go through healers are, they go through a lot of stuff in life mm -hmm. to get to that place. Um, but I, I definitely went through the back door in the sense of uh, uh, my, my experience of seeing things started off kind of on the darker side of things, seeing shadow people, um, having an incubus um, <laughs> that lived with me in my apartment for a while. Um, oh, uh, that's freaky. Yeah, that was a really freaky experience. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to tell you this whole little story? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, so I was moving into this place. And I was going to check out the place, and across the street, it was in Harper City, California. Um, Where's where that, Harper City? Uh, by Torrance. Okay. <laughs> I haven't been back there since huh. I lived there, like, I think I was like 20 or something, 19, 20, 20. And um, across the street was this, like, old antique store, and I remember being in there with a friend of mine, and we were looking at things, and... This woman came in, and she was very witchy-poo. Like, she just embodied the whole image of it, everything about her. And the guy that was with her, um, he was really, I don't know what the word to say right now. He was an interesting character, for sure. Like, there was something about that guy. and didn't have any communication with him, but... As my friend and I were, like, looking at things, we noticed her, but she came around, and then she listened probably to my friend say my name and she made a point of saying my name and saying something to me but it just really stood out for some mm. creepy reason and um I went back to the apartment and I looked out my bedroom window and I could see that store and I just felt this I don't even know like line of energy going and then, um, because I was in crazy mode in my life, partying a lot and stuff, it just opens those doors more. Right. And um, I just started having really weird experiences. Was really it weird. when you're awake or asleep or both? When I was asleep, but then it got stronger. The energy in that, that came got much stronger. And um, when I would leave, sometimes I'd leave for a few days or whatever, and my roommate would call me, you have to come home. There's something really, there's something in your room. It was always cold in that room. Mm -hmm. And I didn't not believe her, but at the same time, I kind of chuckle, you know, like, okay, Lisa, you're a little over the top. Um, but one day when I was there, it was just me and my other roommate and I was waiting for somebody to pick me up and I could hear it in the, in my bedroom, call my name. Oh, loud as loud as can be. And I looked at James and I'm like, did you hear that? And he's like, yeah, I heard that. I'm like, did it come from, and I went outside looking and there was nobody, it was really from the room. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was really, uh dark and heavy duty um i left went to new york for a couple months came back moved to a different apartment in that building and it seemed to follow me mm. literally and i had met a guy along the way and he's like you know when something's going on you just got to tell it to get out mm. and you have to really mean it mm. and after a an excursion of a couple days of being wide awake and high out of my mind i um i could just feel it all around me and I just was over it 
Mm. I just was so done with all of it because it felt like it kept me in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I took his advice and I went home and I opened up all my windows and doors and screamed and told it to get out and whatever else I said to it. And (laughs) 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 I wasn't happy and you can imagine. And the air just blew through my apartment and it just left. I never experienced it again. And an incubus is a sexual thing. It doesn't it draw sexual mm-hmm. energy from you. It did. Yeah. Yeah. I'd wake up. That's creepy. It was creepy. Uh, it was the, really I, creepy. I also had in the very beginning as a little kid, I had a vampire nightmare that was so realistic. I could feel like the vampire on my neck touching oh. my. I was just like in fourth grade, so. It's and I wasn't partying. I wonder sometimes if that's a lot that is a common initiation for people meeting up with a dark side of spiritual world. I could go there with that. Yeah. I mean, not everyone, but a lot sense. of people have sometimes. And I don't, I don't have a lot of scary stories, but that was how I got into it in the sense that I knew there was something, you know, I had else. to pay something else too but yeah that, that sounds really creepy i have to <laughs> why do you think that woman do you think it was a karmic thing maybe or it was just she just decided why do you think she just decided to you know i've always wondered that huh. i've thought about it many times and i just i, I don't really know hmm. like energetically she was definitely in the pathway of for me to meet her mm-hmm. it made sense i really started playing with tarot cards at that time and i became really good like mm-hmm. wow i was telling people things i have funny stories about it of um many funny stories <laughs> <laughs> about that but um i think i i just had a lot of doors opening up mm. to other places that weren't so good um yeah I and so, so how did you sort of get to the point where you didn't necessarily unconsciously open the doors you didn't want to open? Because I'm not saying that I, I think people can still have obstacles, but but it sounds like you got more disciplined about your spiritual yeah. openings or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you know, at that time, that same time period in that same area I lived in, I worked in a bar and um, I met a guy. In that bar, there was a customer there, and he uh, he he asked to look at my hand one day, and I was joking. I'm like, how do I look? Do I look like I'm doing okay? And he's like, you're doing okay. And then I saw him a few weeks later, and I wasn't doing okay. Like, wow, I was really not doing okay. I was really going down the drain. And um, he looked at my hand again, and I said, so how am I doing now? And he's like, you know, there's some things I can teach you about yourself if you're willing if you want to learn, I'll teach you. And he was a, um, a Kung Fu master and, um, he stuck with his word. I was just like, yeah, he looked like a light in the middle of the darkness to me. And, um, he stuck to his word and he taught me a lot about myself. He taught me how to run the energy in myself, how to push energy out of myself, how to pull energy out of people. Hmm. Um, he really got me on the path of healing myself. Hmm. Um, and he's like, you know what you do, Angela, you're a natural healer. What you do, people study for years to just try to get to where you are just naturally. It, it was, a uh, that helped me a lot. Mm. Cause even when I was still wandering around my path of debauchery that I was in, um, I always kept it stuck in my head. So I think it really saved me mm. to get through and, and to gain focus 
When I went to Japan, which is a whole other story in itself, but when I went to Japan, um, perfect place to learn discipline, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) I really put myself in a position to discipline myself and really love myself and take care of myself better. When did you go to Japan? When was that? 94. 94, I was 23. I was just like, I moved from Orange County, California, to Hollywood to get sober. Mm. Kind of, people just look at me, are you serious? Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> I <had> to, <laughs> yeah, I moved to Hollywood to get sober. Um, and and it worked. And, and just when I was like, I'm like, I'm not going to work in bars. I'm not going to do all these things. I want to live a different life. And just when I was like... Nothing was happening for me, and I was just getting ready to start going down that road again, you know. And I got a, a that was back in the day with pagers, you know. Oh, pagers, yes. Yeah, I remember pagers, <laughs> and I got a page from a friend, and she's like, I got this opportunity. I think you should check it out. And it picked me right up and took me out the door. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. How, lo- how long were you in Japan? Uh, the first time, it was six weeks. I was there three times. Mm-hmm. And that changed my life a lot. And did you study anything there when you were in Japan? That was- I didn't. I studied on my own. I was reading a lot and really just doing my own deep dive mm-hmm. to figure myself out and pull myself out of the deep, dark hole I was swimming around in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now when you grew up, were you raised in a particular religion or a religious family or not at all? Uh, my mom was always going to a different church. She was always, she was the church lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so my dad was pretty much atheist. Didn't get much from him. But my mom was always, but I, I didn't get a lot from my mom in that sense because it was, she was hypocritical, the life that she was living versus going to church and what she was spewing out of her mouth versus what she was doing was never matching up, really. Mm-hmm. Um so I didn't get a lot from that. I mean, I love my mom. She taught me a lot of things, and I did get things from going to church, mm-hmm. you know. But spiritually, I didn't. None of that registered for me. So uh, I know that you do mediumship. You're clairvoyant, and we're talking about the, you know, the, you as a healer. Um, so when did the mediumship side of things start for you? You know, that didn't start for. Um, Gosh, that didn't start for me until 2003, maybe, I'm going to say. It's the number that pops in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at that point, by the time that happened, I had like learned Reiki and gone through three years of studies to be ordained. Like I was in a way different place. Um, and then that started for me. It just started happening in sessions. Mm. Or doing, I was a massage therapist for 26 years. So Mm. that started, it just kind of started happening naturally. Would people would show up when I'd be doing a massage? (laughs) Just always interesting. Now let's go back a little because I'm glad you brought that up. What are you ordained as? Uh, It's uh, teachings of the Essenes and psychic abilities. Center of light. My, My teacher was Lynn Diverges. And um, the center of light. So it was a lot of teachings in, from the Essenes, basically. Mm-hmm. And the Essenes are individuals, Jewish sect of individuals that 
wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it was really about communing with the angels and the spirit world and being um, as pure as you can within yourself and your thoughts, your mind, your emotions, like everything. And it's, you know, it was a process of heal or heal thyself. Right. So it was a huge healing time for me. And, um, and how how long is the training that you went through? I went through three years. Wow. Oh, that's what you mentioned that. That's, and, and do you have like, you know, certain things you do now as a, a minister? Or is it it's, it's something that just, just is sort of wrapped into whatever you do normally? It's just kind of wrapped into what I do normally. To be honest with you, I don't really tell people. I don't really talk about being a minister. Um, I have married a couple, a couple individuals, <laughs> uh, which is fun. Um, but I, I just, I don't really advertise myself or put myself out there. It's, uh, it's more of like everything I learned through that because it was all energetic stuff, you mm-hmm. know, um, and the deep dive within myself and teaching people how to meditate and get to understand their own space and mm-hmm. who they are and recognize how to work with energy and create it and destroy it and how that really functions Mm. um giving healings i went through a lot of things um uh during the studies of uh like cleaning houses cleaning houses is always interesting have you ever done anything like that i did very for a short while but i stopped pretty much right away because i i was cleaning this house for these artists and i i thought it was the coolest thing ever but they were so like obsessive compulsive. I had to put the pillows a certain way. And I was kind of young and I thought, I'm just not good at this. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't cleaning, whatever. And in fact, they didn't even really need that much cleaning. So I didn't last very long. And I also cleaned, I worked for a Buddhist for a while. We go and clean um, in the, the stores, uh, grocery stores at night. He had a business and I was part-time. Oh, I meant like energetically clearing. Oh. <laughs> But cleaning, cleaning yeah, I've had those jobs too. <laughs> well, yeah, because they are tied together. Because I, I, I am good at cleaning, uh, clearing houses, but I don't do it for other people. I learned on my own when I lived alone. Um, I just intuitively would do my apartment a certain way, and people used to come in; they didn't want to leave. And it was, it was just some. It was an energetic thing. I mean, it was a nice little apartment, but it was also how I, I learned how to. But I think they do kind of go together in my mind is the actual cleaning of houses and, and clearing houses. Because obviously, you know, if you have a, a house that has um, certain obstacles in it in, in terms of clearing, you might want to move them or get rid of them. And, um, but but I, I do it mostly for myself. I, I don't think I want to do other people's homes. <laughs> It's a lot. I would think it would it's be. It's a lot. I used to do it with my teacher. Part of our training was to do, to go through that. And uh, we went to a big house, um, like in South Central. This house was huge. And uh, nobody lived in it. Ex- but this woman had her mother and I think her daughter, if I remember. It was a long time ago. Um, and they were both ill. They both had crazy illnesses, and they both had caretakers. But they're the only people that lived in the house. The rest mm. of it was this huge house. But we had to go through there and clean the house, you know, and remove everything and close portals and clear energy. And after we were done, you know, she's like, everybody clear your space. Make sure you're not taking anything home with you. And we did that. But I remember waking up in the morning, and there was a shadow person just sitting on the end of my bed. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but I haven't done those too often. But salt rituals. I lived in a building in Burbank that was, uh, how did my, I had my teacher help me do some salt rituals there. And um, because it was just crazy. And she's like, I feel like it's parade of nations. Like there was so much mm. going on. It was by the airport. You know, I realized after I moved from there, I realized because there was a lot of alien activity um, going on in that whole area mm -hmm. um, and within that building. And I realized when I moved away from there that used to have a lot of flights go from Area 51 and back Oh, to Burbank. I never knew that. Oh. Yeah, I met some woman and her dad used to fly to Area 51 and back. Hmm. And she was telling me about that. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now, now, tell me what are the salt rituals? That sounds interesting. You know, salt rituals are for things that you just can't get rid of by saging or doing different cleaning, mm -hmm. cleansies. Right. Um, and it's always done at nighttime, and it's charging the salt, and you have to toss it all around um, and uh, let them know basically the same thing, get out. Mm -hmm. um, and the salt burns them up. Like in Japan, actually, they'll put salt by the fronts of front doors of businesses and your home and stuff to keep keep evil out right basically um so it's a kind of same kind of concept but because of what i've been trained to do to see energy the way i do is uh whatever wasn't leaving on its own i was there to take care of that mm. to clear that out and energy can show up in the strangest forms mm. like how uh you know, I remember this one apartment I did a cleaning on, and uh, the energy looked like sticks. Hmm. Looked like little sticks. Just weird. Can be blobby stuff. Can be, uh, like at that apartment building in Burbank, there were some things, uh, these creatures that I'd never seen anything like this before. They were huge, so hmm. tall, and they had orange on, and they were just really monstrous looking almost. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. They live. They, I saw them in that building by this apartment. This guy lived in this apartment. Um, he was. He had stuff going on. He was an alcoholic, but he had other stuff going on. Um, and when he finally moved, um, I remember taking sage, and I was sage in my apartment. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna walk down the whole walkway, and I did it. And I got by his apartment where I'd see a lot of stuff going on, and the whole sage things caught on fire. <gasps> Wow. It just burst into flames. <laughs> right? I got a little off track on that. Sorry. Not but salt rituals. So salt rituals are, they're just more intense to really clear the energy out that may be hanging out there. That's It's interesting stubborn. because my own experience using salt um, is, it's very powerful. Like uh, I did... Um, I got hired to do a house cleansing on, what was that show? It was like this show, I don't know, it's kind of a well-known show, and it was going to be a murder house, which I wasn't really thrilled with, but luckily they mm -hmm. couldn't get permission to do like a, uh, it was, a, oh, okay, because it was a murder show, and um, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, so I just did a, a cleansing, what I knew at the time, and I used salt as part of it, and it, it interrupted all the equipment, though. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that it, the, all the equipment stopped working in some part of the tech stuff, you know. Uh, and then one of my favorite remedies from spiritual cleansing is this salt bath that helps if you feel um, you've been what he calls minor 
curses, like unconscious jealousy, um, family issues. And if you take this and, and they use he, insult is predominant in it and it really works and you don't even need to know where it's coming from. And he has like, there's this whole little prayer you do. And so my, I think salt is very, very powerful. You it know? Is. And I didn't know that there were specific, like you were trained to do. I could totally see that being very helpful. And I know in, living in LA, like um, on my street, especially, it got really intense in the pandemic, like scary. We had a meth house down the street. Oh, wow. It became really aggressive and it's gotten better. I just did a whole lot of mantras. I didn't know what else to do. It was because I've been there so long and it just never had been quite this bad. There's always like some, you know, it's Venice, you know, but yeah. it got a little freaky. Yeah, you know, the so. pandemic really purged a lot. It, it's been purging ever since, yeah. you know? It's like people would ask me, my clients, and people would ask me, what do you think of this? I'm like, we're in a huge purge. It's going to bring the nasty and the ugly up louder and more for us to see. So, yeah, we're, we probably are still, I would say, definitely. It's still least, going on, yeah. Yeah, so salt people. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Charge your salt and stick it everywhere. Did you funny. Do you charge it in the moonlight or... Just yeah, night? you charge it with energy from, oh. you know, like call Christ energy through yourself to, to just charge it. Oh. Mm. And and do you sometimes do a, a lot of salt at once and keep it on your altar, or do you tend to just do it what you need? You know, I I haven't I haven't used salt for a while. I mean, I take baths and do what you're talking about, like clearing things off. But um I don't really normally keep it around like that charged up but it is good i think it's because a lot i have animals so i don't want them eating the salt and yeah getting into it it's true you with the animals you gotta be careful what you lay around the house yeah and even outside i'm like you know my my neighbor calls me snowy <laughs> she's like the hummingbirds are coming the squirrels snow white the raccoons are outside my door like <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm always like careful of what i'm putting out because They'll try anything, really. That's true. They yeah. do. And you don't want them to be thirsty. No, but I think charging the salt and putting it around, like, your doors and, like, on your altar, like you said, is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think that, since you do past life uh, readings, do you think that some of your connection with the Essene could be from past life being an Essene? For sure. Because that's, yeah. an, I mean, that seems like a particular path. You know, not everybody even is interested in the Essenes. Yeah, you know, I yeah, and I do believe it connects to a path life because I past life, path life. <laughs> it is a path life, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I believe it does because I I just resonated. It's like when I went to Japan, I had no culture shock. I felt like I went home, hmm. and I've had past lives come up for me since then to reaffirm my experiences there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and. Uh, you know, I got drawn to to my teacher with the Essenes and the psychic abilities. Um, do you remember the, uh, oh, what was it called? It was a mag, it was a paper they would put out once a week. You worked at the Bodhi stores, Bodhi Tree, so you would definitely remember this. It was like, uh, oh, I don't remember. What is it? When you went, when you want to remember something, you can. New life new whole foods no whole no. life whole life mag yeah there was, was like a whole life magazine something right? like yes, that right yes. and and i remember for weeks every i would get it and there would be this tiny little ad remember they put little ads in yes. there 
and there was this I mean it was so tiny and it was for healing clinic but every time I would open it up it would jump out to me like it was big on the page and Mm. finally I called and I I went to the healing clinic and I sat down from this woman I had never met and she started moving the energy and looking at the energy and I didn't say anything to her and she didn't ask me and then she just started spitting things out about me that I had never told anybody before and mm. I was like wow who are you <laughs> <laughs> and um, by the end of it she invited me to a class she's like I think you could use this inner child class and yeah I could definitely use mm. the inner child class um and it went from there. So it was definitely like, you yeah. know, you get right. called to your path. So, yeah, I feel like I, I definitely had past life with that because it, it resonates with me. I feel like I'm where I belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My father, I think, I think it was Marion Starnes. He was supposedly um, part of the Essenes and my brother who died and I was too. And I like really? I like calligraphy a lot. Oh, and awesome. I used to really, I I wanted to almost study it when I was younger, but I just didn't feel, I guess, drawn in this lifetime. And I still love it, you know. And I think I was one of these, like, copiers, you know, <laughs> like, because I can do it forever. I mean, I enjoy it. I don't get so bored. So you were, like, a scribe, you Yeah, think? like, I think, you know, copying text and things. I don't know. I don't think I was any kind of important person. But um, so that's a funny uh, little connection I wanted to tell you. And I could see my, my father definitely... Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, most people that I talk to in the metaphysical world in terms of being called by things like that, posters or someone they meet or, um, and you're right, it sort of stands out, you know, for you that, that that's what people should listen to. Even if it's something you're not familiar with, you should, you know, go and check it out and see what it's about because it could also lead to something else. Yeah, I tell people all the time when they're talking about signs or what am I supposed to look for? I'm like you'll hear it, you'll see it, you'll see the same thing again and again, or you'll hear the same thing in your your conversation in your head, you know, telling you to do something. Of course, now if it's crazy and insane, please get help. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, follow the signs. It's always going to keep showing up until you listen. It's kind of like those lessons in life mm-hmm. we have. They're going to keep showing up until we get a grip on it and, and change our way choose a different path or deal with it differently mm. yeah it's true it, it does it can be repetitive in terms of uh, you know coming back and seeing if you're still interested and so that i think that's kind of helpful because sometimes you can feel like you missed the boat but you probably haven't mm. and you know time is not linear anyway yeah you never miss what you're supposed to really experience it seems like talking to you that that the way i would definitely personally describe you as primarily as sort of the archetype of the healer anyone that's done all the 26 years of massage work i mean that's hard work it is Uh, i i remember going in my 30s i loved going i had a lot of friends that are doing body work and so i could afford it was very affordable at the time and i didn't have a lot of like overhead i did all kinds of different work energy healing there was one woman who was an amazing masseuse and she'd been doing it a long time she impressed me a lot her name was joy and she showed me a picture before she became a masseuse and sort of after wow and she was a very attractive woman but you could see there was a kind of dark aura around her and she looked really different i mean i couldn't figure out it wasn't like a hair change and it was such an energetic change and um and she was really i just loved her energy and she was always trying like new techniques to, in the and i think she was a gemini and always wanted to learn something new but she'd been doing it a long long time when i met her 
And I would say um, all of the energy work and the healings I had during that time were really, really uh, powerful. They really helped me so much in so many levels. And so I've always like really respected, even though I, I did also take Reiki one and two when I was really young, but I, I was not ready to do it. I had, it was just too much for me. Like even some of the people, my dad and I would go and work on someone. One was this, my mom's best friend's son went into a coma. Uh, it was like a drug thing. And we would go and work on him and, and this huge amount of energy would come through my arm. And even though I knew what was going on, I was just too young to really feel Understand comfortable it. to do it. Though I like, I really like Reiki and, and, um, but I always thought, you know, the, the whole healing, uh, people and what they do in the body work with the mind was, is, and of course it's grown, you know, since that time it's become more studied, I think even, uh, but it seems like a lot of what you do sort of centers around that archetype, whatever it is, whether it's mediumship or it's all about healing. Yeah. I want to help people to feel better and heal their wounds and be able to move forward and grow. Um, some people want to come have a session and they want to know what's going to happen in six months. And I'm like, I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. I can see where you're at now. And if you take different paths where it may lead you, but people change their mind like this snap of a finger. I've seen people's energy shift in front of me. Just, I say something to them and they're like, Oh, that's it. And off they go, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, being a healer is amazing and um i think that's really the the purpose behind it all like you do tarot and stuff but you're helping people to get to where they're going you know it's not just to feed their ego for the moment and um uh, i feel like i got off course on your from your question <laughs> no no we were talking about the idea of the archetype of the healer and how you Oh, okay. You know, you really enjoy helping and I do. They want people to be healed and you're doing, you're helping to facilitate that in different, in different ways. It sounds like you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even past life readings, like you were talking about all that always connects to any lifetime that shows up, which lifetimes are all simultaneously. That's a whole other thing to wrap your brain around. Right. But, um, uh, when that lifetime shows up, it always connects to what somebody's going through right now because it's that information coming through to help them mm -hmm. with where they're at right now. It's like, hey, hey, remember this. You're living this this life now that we're in, owning this body currently. And, you know, this is going to help you to get to where you're going. Um, I think that's like one of the main reasons that we're have these abilities to connect to spirit the way we do mm -hmm. and connect to our uh, higher selves is to help us to heal and learn and grow yeah so what do you do since you're professional at this uh, what are some of the things you do if you find there's someone that gets stuck and in terms of the process you feel they come back and they haven't moved an inch like they just seem caught in a wheel of the same pattern is it something you can't do anything about? Are there different tools to help catalyze breaking out of? That's probably one of the most challenging things I have found. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen a lot, but it can happen enough to sort of sort of go, hmm, how come this person is so caught? And they, they've gone to even other people. Is it only because they don't want to see things? Because, I mean, most of us kind of fall in the middle, like we're willing to see certain things and other things we're not ready for. <laughs> so yeah yeah um personally 
I find that um, sometimes it's people don't want to do their work. They don't want to do what they are seeing and what's being shown to them. They don't want to step into it. They want to keep putting a blinder on or that's too much or that's too hard or I just want what I want right now. There's that. So it, sometimes it comes up that way where I have to talk people through like you're in a loop. It's like a record player and the groove is going on. The needle, you have to start changing something every time that thought comes up think something different go do something different it's like you know when people stop a habitual thing they usually replace it with something healthier Mm -hmm. right? right so it's the same thing with these lessons that we're learning and it's it's choosing a different path But energetically, what I can do, because I see energy the way I do and can move it, I've helped people a lot by moving energy that's stuck. Mm. You know, we're we're energy manifested into form, right? Everything is. So, you know, um, looking at people's chakras and their organs, like when people get illness and stuff, that's energy stuck there. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, sometimes there's genetics and... There's things like that, but a lot of times it's energy stuck there. So because of what I learned to do or just know how to do both, I guess, really, um, is I've been able to help people by moving the energy or cutting cords that they're tied to mm-hmm. that keeps them in the same thing all the time. Um, yeah, but they're the things I notice. It's people doing their work and actually stepping up to the plate for themselves um and um stop being a lot of people like being in victim do you notice that a lot of well yeah we've talked about this with our our favorite um therapist uh psychologist merle and also energy worker is that we live right now in a very victim rewarding society Mm -hmm. and that you know you can even see that in talent shows you know you can use you can be a victim and people love to hear you know the story of wow yeah, it, it's some, now sometimes people just share their story, which is different. And mm-hmm. you don't get a sense that they're just trying to give you like their background. But then there are people that kind of milk it, you know, like, oh, and I suffered this and that. And, you know, for <laughs> me. Yeah. And I was like, who <laughs> hasn't suffered? <laughs> and so, I mean, that's because I'm older now. You know, it's like at some point we all are going to experience a lot of suffering of some kind. <laughs> you know, yours might be different. But um, but yeah, I think that we've talked about that and how, you know, the victim can be effective there's a gain from being a victim and that's something one would have to just acknowledge in a very detached way like what what are the gains i have in being a victim Mm -hmm. so that you understand what you would be giving up Mm -hmm. and then maybe what you would get instead you know so but there's there's benefits for uh, victimhood that attitude of victimhood oh for sure definitely they feed off of it it's it definitely keeps them in that space and getting attention and yeah. Um, now, one thing that you reminded me of when you were talking about you know helping to cut the cords energetically, um, because sometimes it, uh, I think that people think that we can't get any extra help from people. But when I went to Tai Chi for the very first time in L.A. There was a flyer at the Bodhi Tree, and he offered like 50% off or something huge for any Bodhi Tree worker. And evidently, me and this other girl, Daniela, were the only ones who ever took up the offer. And I was very, very tired a lot at the time. I was doing readings, and I didn't quite know how to 
you know, work clean with yourself. that, clean myself. And I remember going to Tai Chi and I, he gave me energy. I know he did. But then on the other hand, I was stepping up. I was going to class. I was learning the, but I think he really, I could feel he helped and he didn't say he was doing it. I, he's just, he's a very, um, Tim O'Connor, I totally recommend he does Tai Chi. He's just a lovely human being, but also a great Tai Chi teacher. And, um, I just remembered that was distinctly, you know, that I, he helped me when I was very, very low energetically and I was trying to do things. And my, Mike and I learned very quickly doing readings is exhausting and, you should never do it full time. Good luck if you do, because we found out we were in our 30s and we started doing it all pretty much full time for a while. And um, during the week, we go on the weekends, we couldn't move. We were just so, so tired. And it's just you can't no matter what you say, you're going to use some of that Kundalini energy um, while you're doing also you're helping others and you just have to replenish it you have to learn to say no and go back we found rest did help Mm -hmm. (laughs) and doing just normal normal things you know reading a book and not always metaphysical things and but it it, it was really um kind of eye-opening that you know that's something where i can only work so many hours no matter what doing readings i just hit a wall and um i know that now at least you know whereas in the beginning i didn't really you know I didn't think about it because both me and Michael came from very hardworking backgrounds, you know, Mm -hmm. and but, you know, doing non-metaphysical things is different energetically. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, I can't, I agree. Can't do that. I can't do more than three, three and a half hours. I'm tapped out. Like, I can't even think straight. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get that fog for Mm. sure. I get like I used to get psychic headaches, hangovers, psychic hangovers the next day. Yeah, exactly. It's those moments where you sit down, the next thing you know, you're asleep and you're like, you wake up, you're like, wow, I was really tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I try not to do more than three hours a day. That's too much. Yeah, that seems like a good amount. Now, have you ever, I was kind of curious since you do, do past life readings with people, have you ever done a reading where it was very peculiar, the past life, like the place or the situation, anything that kind of stands out as maybe something you wouldn't expect as a person doing a past life reading, something someone did or or the effect of something that maybe wouldn't seem like it would have an effect but does? Mm. Off the top of my head, like... Because I seem to let a lot of things go. I've learned to let go. Like, I don't remember what I said in a session. Sometimes, like, I'll do a session with somebody and have a repeat, and they'll be like, do you remember? And I'll vaguely remember, or something will come back, and I'll be like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, I remember. But I let go of a lot of things. But what does come back is somebody was in dinosaur time, like, that oh. that time period. And I'm like, wow, I've never, <laughs> I've never talked to somebody, like, had that come up. I've never heard that, actually. Yeah, I never had that before. Never seen that. I've, like, all different time periods. I've talked to people that were on different planets and different places, but that was a new one. That was definitely... Do you ever go into the future with people, too? Future lives? No. No. um, You know, I used to do future stuff more. My sister would always be like, you're so good at that. Why don't you do that anymore? You can... And... I, I just have, I don't know what it is. I really don't know remember what it was that kind of backed me out of that. I mean, I see things and people tell me all the time, oh, that happened or you told me about that or you told me this person was this way and then they, you know, whatever. 
Well, I mean, it, it, it's it's probably, I mean, it may be nothing. It could be just a preference. Um, I wouldn't have thought I would be interested in the future and predicting because I, just from my background of going to readers, what I found was pure psychics could never get my future right. They would be really accurate, really accurate about what was going on with me. So I totally trust them. They had really good reputation. And I eventually did come across... Um, Marion Starnes, and then this really interesting African-American woman. She was the most psychic person I personally ever met for me because I, I don't know if I was always changing the future or what it was because um, I was frustrated because I could tell they could they knew things about me. But this one black woman was amazingly accurate about things that didn't even make sense to me. And they sounded nonchalant at first, but they ended up one ended up being... Um, meeting Michael and starting a business because she said something about, well, there's this blonde haired man and, and you're going to go into business with him. And, and, but don't do it that one year. It's going to be really hard. And I was looking, I was shaking my head. Like, I don't know any blonde haired men. I don't want to <laughs> go into business. I was always thinking, and it was, it, I think I met Michael like two years later and it wasn't after a while that I realized that she was talking about him. And I know for some people that sounds really simple, but for me, nothing like that ever came true before. And because the fact too that there was no blonde-haired men, no ideas of business. I didn't even. I was. I was just taking jobs. I didn't even have a career at the time. But she was so much fun and really eccentric, and she had a really good reputation. It was like thirty-five dollars in the nineties. <laughs> you know, that's when the, it was really cheap to go to readings. And um, but anyway, uh, it, you know, it could be like you know, it could be something maybe you'll do later. But the thing I find about doing the future. For me, that makes it a little easier is I really do see that it's probability, but you can look at how law, how high a probability and so much so that my yeah. clients even ask me now, what do you think? Is it a low, medium or high probability? Because I use that word so much. It's OK, mm. let's look at it. Is it. Oh, yeah, it's kind of low, but that, that gives them an idea like if it's a low probability for a job interview, maybe I could influence it, or maybe it just tells me I should keep my options open. Mm -hmm. And so it's not telling you not to do it. And so Michael, I really love the probability thing. When I ask you about the future things, my dad was trained in past life, and he was one of the first trained past life people, I think, in the US in this one school. And he was doing it, you know, he's Aquarian, he's doing it long before anyone else was doing it. But when he was practicing, he decided to practice on me to go into the future. Like he mm -hmm. just thought, well, if you could do the past, why can't you do the future? And I ended up having like an experience with this amethyst healing table that uh, where I was in this future life. And there turns out like about eight years ago, I discovered there's this amethyst healing table. <laughs> I heard something about that. And I was like, oh my God, I thought this was going to be, first of all, I thought I was making it up. Like I really did. I said, oh, that sounds like an imagination type thing. I was like this astronaut, woman astronaut somewhere and I'd gotten wounded and I went to this like healing place and I just thought it was my imagination. But then when I came across that thing with the amethyst table, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that, that's crazy. There's, there may be something to it, you know? Uh, especially because I just kind of, you know, my dad, he's kind of crazy doing this. <laughs> this whole, not the past life, but just wanting to put me into the future, you know. Um, but anyway, that's what I thought about. But, you know, like I said, I think people should, you, you certainly seem to have some some choices in what you do as a, mm -hmm. a healer. And then sometimes the universe will, if you're meant to do it, it'll just keep, you know, saying, hey, Angela, how about this, you know? <laughs> it does, yeah. And that probability, it's interesting because the angels that I, 
you know, when I'm doing sessions, they'll, because people ask me that kind of thing too, and they will give me, they'll give me like 98% or 65%. They'll actually give me percentages Mm -hmm. of what they think of probabilities. I guess I really, you know, um, I think the more I learned about how energy works and how we shift ourselves like this, this, go this way, go that way so fast. Um, uh, and I guess maybe there are certain things that are set in stone, shall we say, but, um, because that is where I backed off maybe some of the looking too far in the future kind of thing, because people change so quickly Mm -hmm. that shift happens. But I think it's exciting when something does come up and then it actually happens, you know, like, I mean, I've seen things about my own life that came up and did happen come to pass so can't deny it when it's there right can't deny it when it's there but i find that most people that are swimming too much and even myself not now but back in the day um uh when i want to know too much about the future i'm so not present in the now Mm. And I notice that when people want to know so much about their future, they're so not in the present of their now to even create what they want. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that you know, it's good to sort of be centered in the moment in the sense that it gives you an orientation. Um, and, and the opposite can be true. I've met people, and I was, I think, a little bit too stuck in the past. That's why I think the universe wanted me to predict. It helped me with my constant ruminations of my past to, to learn to not do that at too much you know it's it's good to you know your yeah. past but I was definitely you know doing the whole cancerian things a lot <laughs> you know and we do and oh I thought God. okay this is ironic that I'm the person predicting the future because <laughs> I don't look at my own future <laughs> so you know um, but but I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's probably all about a little bit about balance. But I, I find that I get a kick out of the idea that maybe because I don't particularly I don't particularly use a psychic skill to predict. I use the Kabbalah and the tarot, and I just get a get a kick out of the fact that I can do that with these systems, and it's it's incredibly accurate. Mm-hmm. Where I've gotten time frames where psychics can't, and I can't really say it's a psychic thing. It's a different kind of metaphysical thing. It is, and that's I why I, I'm always like kind of impressed that there are systems that can help you to do that. And yes, I have to learn to interpret it, mm-hmm. but I can teach people that, and Michael does. He you. You can teach people to interpret time in in the Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I'm also just kind of fascinated with time, like, you know, concepts of time and is it real? And, you know, yeah. that is really just a fun topic. But it, it can be a little, um, there have been a couple of times where I've seen things that that have disturbed me in the future, though luckily it was not with clients. Oh, okay. So you don't have any control over that, unfortunately. And, and I, that's why, I mean, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you, you know, there's some things that aren't, you know, that aren't good that you, and luckily there are good things you see too. But, and I'm not necessarily talking about bad news, you know, like what, what I saw once was more of uh, a theme of something coming to the United States. It was something we saw in a, I saw in a scrying session in the 90s. And I wrote it down, and, and it was frightening. It was fascism. And I never told anyone else, but Michael knows. We were doing a magic group, and I've never seen anything that scared me before. And yeah. I didn't understand it. I, I it was Because it was late 90s. I was like, what is this about? But the imagery, it was all, like, very fascist, very Nazi. And 
I, the feeling was very frightening. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's the Trump era. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that, but, you know, a lot of that, those sort of long-term kind of mysterious oracle stuff, you only learn over time what how to look at it symbolically or where it is energetically, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so, but, but what do you think about the, you know, with, since you're so much into the energy and, and sort of where you started as a, a person to the energy in the world now with so much instantaneous connections, um, how do you view that energetically and metaphysically in terms of how can people learn to cope with that huge change in a lot of people's lifespans, you know, going from a certain almost separation to now just this instantaneous kind of connection? I'm like dumbfounded in what to say. Um, <laughs> so let me grasp what you're saying first. So you're saying this, the, how things have moved differently. And when you're saying separation to, do you mean separation from just what's gone on in the last few years? Or you're saying separation... I want to grasp what you're trying to say I to me. I think more over, a, like over several decades. Like coming from like you know, a time where we didn't have this ability to know so much about what's going on in the world and to the movement from the internet to social media to Facebook, how that has, how the energy in the world has been affected on, you know, obviously on a practical level, but also metaphysically, I feel like there's a different kind of world. It is. Well, I think for I think there's like two sides to like everything. It's it's good. It's expansive. It's allowing people to realize that they do have a way of connecting differently. Um, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of it was like a friend of mine and I were talking last night about this whole new thread. Oh, right, right. Thing, and I'm like, it's just another thread. It's literally like because she was saying she was reading somebody's review on it. And they were saying how many, how there were so many um, uh, ads or different things coming up. And I'm like, that's just a part of the thread to suck you in. Because it's got the good thing of the awakening and bringing more people information and bringing things into view and to manifestation quicker. But at the same time, it is that whole thing of it sucks you into the vortex of something that could definitely twist your mind i mean think about how many how many people children have committed suicide from things on the internet because of how it's connected and how people are twisted and twisting their minds and you know the things that come up you Mm -hmm. know it's i think it's got both sides to it really and i think it can be really wonderful and i think it can be an extremely dangerous at the same time, because metaphysically, how it's affecting things metaphysically, you know, it's funny, I hear my angels laughing right now, and they're like, well, metaphysically, that hasn't really changed much. It's just maybe waking people up more mm-hmm. to, uh, especially to tel- tel- telepathy. Mm, that's a good point. You know? That's a good point. That's something I'm really good at doing is telepathy. That's how I talk to animals, but that's how I, like, I think that's one of my specialties is to speak to the spirit of other people, whether they're alive in a body or they're passed on. If they're willing to speak to me, I can speak to them. Mm -hmm. And it helps a lot. Um, But I think, 
I don't know if I answered that correctly, yeah, yeah. but well, there's no no answer. I was just more curious oh. because <laughs> you've lived long enough to sort of experience it, whereas some people are born into mm-hmm. it, so it's probably not going to be quite the have, same. Yeah, they don't have any concept of the things that we have. What is it, Gen X? The whole Gen X. Yeah. I'd be a Gen Xer. Would you be a Gen Xer too? I think I'm um, in that time period. I'm in the uh, baby boomer, the very end of the baby boomer. Oh, so you're close yeah. enough. Yeah. You know, it is different. Sometimes I wish we could go back to that place of you know the easiness of having the phone hanging on the wall and. I I miss the letter writing. I, oh. but I, I missed it a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, and I used to have to. I used to love to write letters. I used to have to like t- write like twenty letters to get five back. But I really liked doing it when I think about it. My friends always mm. loved my letters, evidently. I don't even know what I wrote in them when I come to think about of it. Of course. It was, you know, but it, it, I, it was just something about getting a letter and you carry it around with you and they're writing. And then I had a couple friends that had, you know, drawing abilities. So they would draw these cool pictures in their letters. So I still have them. And I'll always miss that. I mean, you just can't go back. You can, you might have a friend or have a, a pen pal, but it's just not the same. It's not it's part not. of it's not part of the world, and that's the way it is. There's positive and negatives in change, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know. Though I do feel like, remember the good old days. <laughs> I do yeah. feel like that does happen to all of us if we live long enough. <laughs> yeah, and if we lived in a different time thing, it's just, yeah. I I I I honestly concerned about kids nowadays. I just feel concerned about them and not that I want to be negative or a downer, but I think it's kind of concerning that they're people just give their kids an iPad and sit them there for the day. They're not learning a lot of things to function in life on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said about allowing children to have a childhood as much as possible, not in a, not in an overprotective way, but mm-hmm. not in a way that they, yeah, they get to use their imagination. Yeah, exactly. Go outside, get dirty, play, build forts, play house, you know, like figure it, you know, be more creative. Yes. Yeah, I don't see kids doing that now. I mean, the world is kind of crazy. I don't think it's as safe either to just let your kid go Mm -hmm. wander around and ride bike around the, you know, wherever. That's true. But, you know. Probably in some places it still is, but certainly not in L.A. Not in L.A., (laughs) no. Hell, I'm afraid to ride bike in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I should be, but I only ride in Venice. And I do wear a helmet. I think people should wear helmets. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Somebody throws you off your bike, you're going to need that helmet. So we have just a couple minutes left. And that the best way to reach you for any kind of, and to find out more is your website, correct? Yes. That's Angela Zane, Z-E-Y-N. And she's uh, on our website. All of our guests have a link on our website, too. And you can contact her, look at her webpage, and make appointments with and see also what she does more specifically. Though I think we've covered a lot of ground here, and I think people got a, a good sense of that. I, I yeah, I shared things with you. I usually don't talk to people about <laughs> <laughs> the nature of this show. I always find out something new about people I know. Uh, it's really fun that way, uh, and I think that's true whenever you sit down with anybody for long conversations. And that's part of the idea of the show is we're just simply having a. A long conversation. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been good. Thank you for having me back. Oh, thanks for coming back, yeah, too. I really you. enjoyed having you. And uh, anyway, thank you all for listening in to our show. Join us next time as we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together. Have a lovely week and stay cool. Mm-hmm.